Boom! What's up, Familia? Fall of X is going to scatter the mutants across the globe, and we're going to break it down for you right now. What's up, Familia? Dayspring here to discuss some of the Fall of X and Hellfire Gala reveals that we got over the weekend. I wanted to immediately jump the second this map dropped and do a, an episode recording, but I didn't have time. As as so many of you know, I'm renovating my apartment and I have not shut up about it, but we're almost near the end and I'll be able to hopefully react more timely. But over the weekend, we did get some pages for the Hellfire Gala and we saw some of the stuff that's going to happen there. So I figured we can just all lump it in together so we can have a nice meaty episode here before we begin please hit that subscribe button like this video again i've been migrating content to youtube i'm still trying to figure out youtube i feel like i have a good grasp on instagram and podcasting but when it comes to video content i'm still like i don't know what i'm doing especially here on the youtube platform so please let me know and again once we we're done with renovations. I'll have more of a literal background. My hair won't be in a bun and I won't got sheetrock all over myself. Yeah, literally to go on the wall. It's called sheetrock. Anyways, so Marvel last week around Thursday released this image of the, the world of the world saying that mutants following the Hellfire Gala are scattered across the globe for Fall of X. So I figure we can break down this image. Let's see if we have any new information. There are some hints here as to what's going on with the X-Men. So let's read the press release and examine the image. All right, so Marvel released on June 21st, the X-Men's Fall of X era scatters mutant kind across the globe and beyond. Learn more about Fall of X, including a map teaser and cover reveals for September. So let's break all of this down. Since 2019's House of X, mutant kind has thrived on the island nation of Krakoa. But could it really last forever? Question mark. It's funny, at Megacon, Jordan D. White told the audience, Oh, the mutants have had three really great years and now it's time to put them through the ringer. I'm paraphrasing what he said. So, yes, the, the Hellfire Gala, this Hellfire Gala, I know for a fact, has been planned for, for years at this point. So th whatever's going to happen here, they always wanted it to happen here. So this massacre that's going to happen is part of a larger plan that they have been spinning for a while. The question will be explored and answered in Fall of X, a new era of X-Men storytelling that kicks off in next month's X-Men Hellfire Gala 2023 number one. Now, is it an era? I don't know. You know, it's funny. When Joss Whedon and John Cassidy were on Astonishing X-Men, originally I think it was only supposed to be 12 issues. And Joss Whedon had said in an interview, like, oh, that's more of a run. But if we do 22 issues, that's an era. So the reason why I'm kind of questioning what is Fall of X, it's that there's a reading guide out there for Fall of X, and it's very inclusive. It feels more like an event than an era. I will say Krakoa is an era. Utopia is an era. New X-Men is an era. The Messiah Complex is an era. So, you know, I, I don't know if Fall of X would be considered a new era. I know I'm nitpicking. I know I'm completely nitpicking. But what I'm trying to say is because I don't want people to think that this is going to be the new status quo. From everything we have seen in terms of a reading guide, it looks Fall, Fall of X will have a beginning, middle, and end. And it's going to start with the Hellfire Gala, and it will end 
with Jean Grey 1 through 5, Iceman 1 through 5, Alpha Flight 1 through 5, right? I think X-Men Red number 18, X-Men 29, X-Force 47, Wolverine 40, Uncanny Spider-Man 1 through 5, Uncanny Avengers 1 through 5, Realm of X 1 through 5, Immortal X-Men 14 through 18 issues. So it does seem like it's a pretty inclusive event. I wouldn't call it an era. Again, I know I'm nitpicking. I'm sorry. Let's go back to this press release. Epic tragedy and unforgivable betrayals will send mutant kind away from the safety of Krakoa and into one of the darkest periods in X-Men history. A new world map graphic shows just how tumultuous things will be by pinpointing where various titles and characters will end up when Fall of X begins. Fans can also get a sneak preview of what's to come by checking out covers and story information for September's X-Men related titles. All right. So the map shows Wolverine in Utah. It shows Alpha Flight in Canada. It shows the Uncanny Avengers in Washington, D.C. It shows Uncanny Spider-Man in New York. Dark X-Men will be in New York, specifically the Limbo Embassy. X-Men will be in New York City. Invincible Iron Man will be in New York City. Children of the Vault will be in Ecuador. Jean Grey, her whereabouts are unknown. Realm of X are in Vanahim. X-Force is classified. X-Men Red is gonna be on Araco. The Hellfire Gala is where it's always been. Krakoa will be where it's at. And Bobby will be in Antarctica. All right, so let's break down some of the marketing copy, and then we'll go into what I think is going on here, especially with the map. Okay, Uncanny Spider-Man, number one, written by Cy Spurrier. We've had Cy Spurrier on the podcast. I love that guy very, very much. The Nightcrawling Wallcrawler on the darkest of days. He is the spark in the shadows. After the devastating events of the Hellfire Gala, Kurt Wagner is on the run and having the time of his life, question mark? Swashbuckling about New York City in disguise, the wall crawler sets aside his mutant angst and dedicates himself to the hero's life, saving civilians, hanging with fellow wall crawlers, battling baddies, and hunting down the best pizza on the planet. But he can't ignore the mutant plight forever. Cyspurrier and Lee Garbett launch a joyful, sexy series that will shake Nightcrawler to his foundations and a hell of a good time doing so. Wait, a sexy series that will shake Nightcrawler? Okay, the marketing copy, we're going to talk about this. I noticed the marketing copy for this the other day. It's so weird. Whoever wrote it, I mean, I'm just like, what? Okay, so following what happens at the Hellfire Gala, Kurt is going to go to New York City. He's going to be hanging out with other Spider-Men, Spider-People. That, for me, is so, like, okay, does Spider-Man approve this? <laughs> Again, we talked about this. With the success of Across the Spider-Verse, it makes sense that the mutants would have a version of Spider-Man. And you know what? I, for me, this is kind of cringe that Spider-Man is, is Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler is Spider-Man. And it's called the Uncanny Spider-Man. But listen, you got to do it. I think Nightcrawler is the best character for this. He's hunting down the best pizza in the world. Yeah, the best pizza is in New York City. I've eaten pizza all around this globe. Pizza is my favorite thing, especially since I've been doing these renovations. 
So I assure you the best pizza is, in fact, in New York City. Well, there's a couple places. I had a place in North Carolina that I really did like the pizza there. And you know what? We have somewhere here in Miami called the Big Cheese, which is where the Rockies to always go. And it's kind of like a hallmark of the city. That's pretty good pizza. I don't want to take away from that. But I mean, dollar slice pizza in New York City at two in the morning in the West Village. You can't beat that. Anyways. okay. so Nightcrawler is going to be suffering a lot with the Hellfire Gala. He is going to end up in New York City as Spider-Man, and he's going to be having a sexy series. <laughs> Again, it's just such a weird adjective just to throw in there. Launch a joyful, sexy series that will shake Nightcrawler to his foundations. <laughs> Maybe he's going to find love. Maybe he's going to find love. Let's see. But anyway, so that's where Kurt is at. Then we have Uncanny Avengers number two by Jerry Dugan and Javier Garron. At a time when mutant and human relations are in the toilet, the Uncanny Avengers have run smack into a new brotherhood of evil mutants. And folks, let me tell you, they came here to beat up Avengers and X-Men and chew gum, and they're all out of gum. Wake Up Babe, a new romance hits that will make readers froth at the mouth. Plus, Ben Urich, period. Always the mark of a quality and important Marvel comic from... What is this marketing copy? Like, here's the thing that I'm getting a little irked of. Just when I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. Fall of X, a Hellfire Gala. This is going to be one fun event. I can't wait for it. And then I'm reading the marketing copy, and it is the weirdest marketing copy on the face of the earth. They're all out of gum. Wake up, babe. A new romance hits. Like, what is what is this marketing? Who are you talking to? And folks, let me tell you, who are you talking to us? You're supposed to be generic market copywriter. You're not an actual narrative in the solicitations. Ah. Okay, so Uncanny Avengers is going to be in D.C., and they're going to go up against a new Brotherhood of Mutants. We'll speculate on who they could be, but the cover does have Rogue on Captain America's shield, and he looks very sad. So is this a misunderstood Brotherhood of Evil Mutants? We'll see. Okay, Alpha Flight number two. Rebel Alliance, North Star, Aurora, Nemesis, and Fang must be stopped but what are these former Alpha Flight heroes up to that's unleashed the fury of Department H and their all-new weapon? The Box Sentinels? Question mark. So we know from previous marketing copy and releases and interviews on Adventures in Poor Taste that the Canadian government is not being very friendly towards mutants and they have an X amount of time to get the heck out of Canada before they will be arrested on site. So mutants are not welcomed in Canada. So whatever's happening in Canada with mutant and human relations, it's going to be affecting Alpha Flight and that's probably why we have them reemerging here. I would imagine that North Star Aurora, Nemesis and Fang um, are rebelling against the Canadian government because mutants are now being outlawed is, is sort of where I'm going to land on that. All right, so we got Children of the Vault number two, where where it reads, Welcome to Tomorrow Towns. The Children of the Vault will bring this world into the future, kicking and screaming. In the wake of the fall of Krakoa, the children emerge as humankind's greatest and only saviors, defending Earth from Shi'ar attacks and supernatural sightings alike. And humanity loves it! 
Only Bishop and Cable can see through the children's impossible promises. But can these two old enemies work together long enough to stop them? The explosive series continues as mutant kind's boldest soldiers prepare for war. You know, I'm glad that they acknowledge that they're old enemies because I feel everything that happened with Bishop, Cable, and Hope has sort of been swept under the rug because it's been such a long time. But yeah, Bishop hunted Cable and Hope for basically her entire life from when she was a baby up until her powers manifested. Let's say she was about 14 to the 16 age range there. I think Hope is written more like a 19, 20-year-old now. But, you know, during the Cable series, it was all about Bishop hunting down Cable and Hope because in Bishop's future, the Messiah baby turned out to be Dark Phoenix and killed like a million humans. And that's why the mutants were in concentration camps. And that's why Bishop's dystopian future came to pass. But obviously, Cable was like, no, this this baby is a Messiah. She will usher in a golden age for us. She will repower our mute, the, the mutant race following the decimation by the witch. That was their, their main schism. I have really no opinion on any of this. I kind of like the premise, to be honest with you. I love that the children of the vault are sort of responsible for defending Earth against the Shi'ar, are investigating supernatural sightings. That's kind of cool. You know, the the I, I don't know much about Luca Maresca or Yannick Paquette, but... I'm, I'm, I have an open heart for this. This actually sounds really interesting to me. Obviously, we know the children of the vault are far more nefarious. They had a subplot. They've had a subplot in the Krakoan Age. We love them in my Carrie's run. So let's see where, where they go with this. Dark X-Men number two. Wait, is that Maddie beating up on Maggot? <laughs> Leave Maggot alone! All right, Steve Fox, written by Steve Fox and Jonas Skarch. Save them all or die trying. The Dark X-Men's first rescue mission ended in blood and flame. The team is already at each other's throats, and the fallen now rise against them. Plus, Madeline Pryor makes the worst mistake possible in a horror story. Never, ever split up. <laughs> Okay, so I, I'm here for it. So obviously, listen, I love Steve Fox. Steve Fox wrote the X-Men 92 with like a Krakoan twist on it where Jubilee was Moira in this iteration. It was so much fun. I enjoyed it so much. Everyone should check it out. I'm excited. Everything I've read from Steve Fox, I absolutely love. He's also recommended books to me on DMs. We've had him on the podcast. Steve Fox is perfect. I'm excited for this. Bring Madeline Pryor. You're going to lean into a horror element. I'm here for it. We are 100% so excited. We will have him back on the podcast, hopefully with Slayer Fest 98, Ian, because they were friends. I absolutely am just obsessed with this title. It's my most anticipated title for Fall of X. I want to see Maddie leading a team of X-Men. And that was obviously foreshadowed in Dark Web, where she said to me, my X-Men. So let's see where it goes. My only request, bring back Nate Gray. Jean Grey, number two, by Louise Simonson and Bernard Chang. The darkest period in Jean Grey's history. The Dark Phoenix has haunted Jean Grey since it emerged from the Jamaican Bay. But what if Phoenix had chosen someone else? The love story of Cyclops and Jean Grey is one of the most beloved in Marvel Comics history. Now witness a legendary creator break their hearts and their minds. But this is no what if. Jean Grey is not where she is meant to be, and neither is the rest of mutant kind. 
Stunning secrets will be revealed as Jean Grey lays the groundwork for her next shocking appearance in Fall of X. She returns at white, as White Phoenix. She returns as White Phoenix and she saves all of mutant kind. That is the only way the story can go. <laughs> but listen, I don't know. It does sound like a what if to me. <laughs> what if she, it literally says, but what if the Phoenix had chosen dot, 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 someone else? First of all, the, the Phoenix has chosen someone else multiple times. This is a Story we don't need to revisit. Echo has a phoenix. Emma has had the phoenix. The Cuckoos have had the phoenix. Cyclops has had the phoenix. Namor, Colossus, Magic have had the phoenix. Right? We have what if stories where Storm got the phoenix, where Spider Man got the phoenix. We, we are done with this. <laughs> with these what if the phoenix had chosen someone else. Focus on just Jean and her relationship with the phoenix here. That's all I want. I really. I, I like Matthew Rosenberg quite a bit, but one of the things I did not like about Phoenix Resurrection was that it did not streamline the Phoenix mythos, right? Ensong, which is going to be our book club pick for July. If you read Phoenix Ensong, it does its best at streamlining all of the Phoenix history and making it make sense, right? So this marketing copy makes me so nervous. But anyways, what do I think Jean's next appearance is going to be in Fall of X? I think once the Jean Grey mini is done, she will return to Earth as White Phoenix in all of her glory. I think Jean is in the White Hot Room right, right now. That is why her whereabouts are currently unknown. You cannot tell me otherwise. That's just me. Astonishing Iceman 2. Home is where the heartbreak is. The bait is set for Bobby Drake as the elements of doom target his hometown, terrorizing the town that raised Iceman. But to what end? They say you can't go home again, but if Iceman can't save the day, he might not have a home to return to. You know, Cena Grace already explored Iceman's relationship with his home, with his parents. His dad has since died. I don't know if I need to see Bobby go back to his home town to be honest with you we know he's in antarctica according to this map but eh, shrug you know what i mean let's see where everything lands but you know i'm glad bobby is going to have a solo series i i think the marvel unlimited iceman series has done really well cena grace's iceman series did phenomenally and that's why we're getting astonishing iceman there's a lot of hype for the character we want to see him out and about I think what's going to happen in the Hellfire Gala is we saw him fight Nimrod. I think Romeo will die at the at the gala. And I would love it if Christian Frost was the one who like got him out. And he strikes up a romance with Christian Frost again. Let's see where everything lands with, with Bobby. But I don't think we're going to see a joyful, happy Bobby in Fall of X. I think Bobby is going to be severely different. He's not going to walk out of the Hellfire Gala unscathed. <laughs> you know, He's going to be very damaged. All right, so we got Fall of X, Realm of X, number two, and Prophecy, Peril, Powerlessness. With her power still on the fritz, Magic makes a desperate move to try and recover the missing curse. But is she playing right into someone else's nefarious plans? Plus, tempers are ready to erupt. But is she playing right into someone else's nefarious plans? Plus, tempers are ready to erupt as this powder keg of a team struggles to protect their fellow mutants from the growing conflict in Vanahim. The date of the prophecy looms ever closer, but at this rate, will the team ever make it to then? Or will they implode before they even get a chance to prove themselves? 
Listen, Realm of X, I'm going to tell you, it's probably going to be a skip for me. This reminds me of what happened in Second Coming, where Ileana got transported away and she had her own mini for Second Coming. I, I, I wonder if that's what's going to happen. At the Hellfire Gala, we saw her interacting with that character that's going to be in Jonathan Hickman's Gods. And maybe something's going to happen to her powers. And in a desperate move, she tries to teleport as many people as she can, which we know it's going to be Dust, Marrow, Danny, among among others. And and they're just going to end up, you know, in Vanahim. So, you know, let's see where it goes. I mean, I, I, I have an open heart for this. I hope it's a good story. Okay, X-Men number 26. We're not losing an X-Men. Wouldn't it be X-Men? We're gaining an Avenger. <laughs> who says that? I want to know who said that. Do you think who who could say that? I mean, Winston Frost, Emma Frost's father, is dead and has no relations to the X-Men. Maybe that's what Christian says. Maybe that's what Christian's saying at the rehearsal dinner. <gasps> oh my God, that's the lamest quote ever. The moment we swore would never happen. Heck, the moment Emma Frost swore would never happen is here at last. As the Frost Stark knot is tied in Invincible Iron Man number 10, Emma's mutant family reacts to this surprise news. Well, what mutant family is left? I'm going to say A. B. I think anyone who knows Emma knows that Emma has something up her sleeve, <laughs> right? But, you know, I, I, I've said this before, you know, the, the moment Emma Frost swore would never happen, this reads of someone who just wrote marketing copy without fully understanding Emma. I'm not saying that Emma Frost is going to get married to just anyone, that Emma Frost isn't tough, but... I think one of the beauties about Emma is that under that very tough and cold exterior lies someone with a really big heart. Emma wants to be a teacher. She wants mutant kind to thrive. She very much loved Cyclops. So would she have sworn off marriage? Maybe to everyone else, but not Cyclops. I 100% believe that Emma and Cyclops would have ended up together had AVX not happened, had G not happened. If we had followed that trajectory that X-Men the end had sort of forecasted, I believe wholeheartedly that Emma and Cyclops would have ended up together. They worked well together. She deeply loved him. And I hate it when they write Emma Frost as this one-dimensional, bitchy character who doesn't want to get married and just has these zingers. Emma has zingers. She is tough. She is bitchy. She is witty. But she has a really big heart underneath everything. She believes in her students. She believes in mutant kind. She believes in her relationship with Cyclops. Brand over. Sorry. I, I know that just goes nowhere. Invincible Iron Man number 10, Tony Stark. You're you are cordially, you are cordially invited to the wedding of Anthony Edward Stark and Emma Grace Frost. Come join the lucky couple as they exchange vows. Attire is Hellfire formal. Okay. Given that there was just a massacre, that Nimrod just crashed the Hellfire Gala Club, you're going to say attire's Hellfire formal, formal? Orcus raid to follow, plus some exclusive wedding extras. Okay, sure. Listen, I'm all for... There's Janet. I'm all for the wedding of Tony Stark and Emma Frost. I'm 100% happy with this. You, you, Familia, you know I, I endorse this marriage. I have been... I, I've shipped the couple. In fact... I wish it wasn't more of a political move slash publicity stunt. I wish the characters actually would spend time dating in the comics. And years from now, like a decade from now, we'd have the wedding of Tony Stark and Emma Frost. I Again, I want to be sold on Tony and Emma. But this marketing copy, ugh, 
I don't know. It's just I know marketing copy is just marketing copy, but sometimes it just doesn't make doesn't make me feel good reading it. It it, it makes me question a lot because you know I think the X books have been kind of dwindling recently, and there's some things I'm really excited for with Fall of X and the Hellfire Gala. I'm just reading these solicitations live with you guys. You know, I've read parts of these here and there, but like going actually through it here, it's it's making me kind of nervous. Okay. X-Men Red number 15. Sins of the past under siege in Port Prometheus. Storm readies to hold the line against the ultimate bioweapon. Meanwhile, the Fisher King finds himself tormented by his strange new abilities. And the secret in his memory might turn the tide of the Genesis War. You know, X-Men Red is a solid is a solid title. Al Ewing is doing a great job. Let's see where they go with this in Fall of X. X-Force number 44, written by Benjamin Percy and art by Robert Gill. X-Force no more? Gas experience the fall of X at its most dire. X-Force is captured, but what power could possibly keep them off the grid and who is truly to blame? With Sage, Deadpool, and Domino on the outside, will the Wolverine Sentinels beat them to their quarry? Or can X-Force reunite to take down the enemies of mutant kind once and for all? There we go. All right, X-Force is one of those books I've fallen off of. I, of course, will be reading it when Fall of X comes. We know a lot is going on with Colossus. Let's see how all of this plays out. Immortal X-Men number 15. After the gala, we wondered, did anyone survive the experience? Now we discover the real question. How long can anyone survive this? All right, and so this title is going to take place on Krakoa. It looks like that's a zombie-ish Wolverine coming out of the water. I guess that's Xavier's hands. I don't know. We'll figure it out as it happens. All right. Wolverine number 37. Hulk and Wolverine together again in Last Mutant Standing Part 1. Logan's grand tour of the Marvel Universe begins here in the only way it could. Face to face once more with the Incredible Hulk. Hey, I'm all for this. The Wolverine anniversary is coming up. So why not take us back to where it all began? Will they meet as friends or enemies? Ooh. As Wolverine hunts down his remaining three clones from Beast's weapons of X. For in the end, there can only be one Logan. The perfect jumping on point as Wolverine's new status quo in the fall of X kicks into high gear. Okay, so those are all the solicitations for September. Let's look at the map right here. I want to take a look at the map. And... The map shows Wolverine in Utah, and as the marketing copy suggests, this is going to be a really great jumping on point for new readers for Wolverine. You know, he's hunting down beasts and all of the clones. I'm all for it. Let's see. Let's see how all this plays out. Listen, Hank McCoy is a sociopath. He needs to be held accountable for all of his treason against mutant kind. So I'm here for it. I have seen people say that they are tired of seeing Beast written like that. Let's just get Beast the way he used to be, lovable, likable. I Listen, I think it's been a minute since Beast was like that. I think the second in Grant Morrison's new X-Men when Beast pretended to be gay <laughs> and was like, I might as well just be gay, was the first time I kind of cocked my head at the character, right? You know, Emma had a cute line in, in, in New X-Men where she said... Beast, I know you're not gay, and I know that you used to prank call the Avengers Mansion when you were a kid. I thought that was all wonderful characterization for him, to be honest with you. But that was the beginning of the end for Beast. So it has been like, when was New X-Men? Like 
2000. So it's been like 23 years. It's been over two decades since Beast has been written in any likable fashion. Again, where I was done with Beast was during AVX when he knew that Cyclops' main mission was to repower the mutant race. And at the end, when the Phoenix goes back into Hope and Cyclops is being detained, Beast just so casually mentions that there's new mutants to Cyclops. Like, Cyclops got the job done. You did not beast, okay? All you did was wander around the globe talking to villains and hanging out with Wanda, which turned out to be a Doombot Wanda. <laughs> so ridiculous. In, I like to think it was a real Wanda in Endangered Species. Anyway, so Alpha Flight in Canada. We already know what's going on there. The Canadian government is outlawing mutants. They have, I, I want to say, I want to say it was like 24 hours, but don't quote me on that. But they have an X amount of time where they have to get the fuck out of Canada. If not, they will be arrested on the spot. I'm theorizing this is why Alpha Flight comes back. Uncanny Avengers. We know they're going to be fighting a new brotherhood. And listen, for the life of me, I don't know who it could be. Depends on what their interpretation is going to be. Is it going to be Rogue? Because on this cover, we see Rogue, you know, slamming her hand on Captain America's shield. We know she used to be part of Mystique's Brotherhood. So is it going to be more of a freedom force where it's more a politically charged Brotherhood of Mutants in wake of what happens in Krakoa? I don't know. It, it's going to depend on who survives and who we can assemble. I would like it to be a politically charged Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. I mean, they've always been politically charged, don't get me wrong, but I want it to be relevant to the story where they're like, listen, Nimrod just came in, massacred our entire species, and now you're outlawing us, and we're taking the blame. The news is spinning it as if it was us who did this to ourselves, and that we are danger. Absolutely not. We are here to fight for freedom. I would love them to be something like that. Let's see where they go. I would love that Rogue would be spearheading that. That would be absolutely incredible if it was Rogue. Uncanny Spider-Man with Nightcrawler. We kind of already went through this. I wonder if he'll be in touch with Mystique and Destiny during this time. I wonder if Mystique and Destiny are being based in New York. We saw at the Hellfire Gala preview pages for Free Comic Book Day that Irene and Mystique get the fuck out of the Hellfire Gala. And we see that in the trailer too. She, Irene has a vision, drops the champagne and they go through a crocone gate and they i don't know where they are at since then dark x-men now here's 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 something that i find really curious the dark x-men the initial rollout for for the solicitation said that maddie is creating x-men at a time when x-men are needed that's great i'm really here for it i love that maddie wants to do good and she's going to be leading a team especially since she's based there in limbo but we also see on this map that the x-men are in new york city so are we going to have two are we going to have two teams of x-men one is going to be the dark x-men one's going to be like the underground x-men like will dark x-men be the public facing x-men then we have underground x-men i don't know i will say that invincible iron man is also in new york city and if you're going to tell me emma grace frost now has tony stark resources at her availability she's going to do two things start a school or start an x team and start fixing mutant kind i am so happy that emma is surviving the hellfire gala i had said that you know editorially who would i kill i would kill emma at the hellfire gala because it would be such a big dramatic moment with the understanding that the character will come back eventually down the line not kill her off forever but I am so glad that I was wrong, that editorial is putting Emma Frost front and center, because I think Emma 
like I've said already in this video, has the biggest heart. She wants mutant kind to thrive. So she's going to get married to Tony Stark as a political move, probably to help relations between humans and mutants. And she's going to be secretly working with an X-Men team or an X-Men school and trying to rebuild Krakoa from the ground up, trying to rebuild. Make, trying to make sure that mutant rights get secured. I am so happy that Emma's there. All right, Children of the Vault, they're going to be in Ecuador, and they're going to be humanity's new favorite team because they're defending against Shi'ar attacks and strange sightings. Let's see where it goes with them. You know, we, we again, we had them in Mike Carey's X-Men run back in the day. We've seen them recently with Sync and Wolverine. I'm really excited to see where they're going to go with this. Cable and Bishop, this odd couple pairing, I'm here for it. I want to see a lot of that tension that they have, right? They come from two very different futures. They had two very different approaches to solving a catastrophic situation for the mutants in 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 the, in the future. So let's see where it goes. I, I want Cable to be like, you hunted me and my daughter. And I want Bishop to be like, your daughter in my timeline turned out to be a dark Phoenix level threat. And my entire family was put into concentration camps because of her. I really want them to tackle those very heavy issues Hickman said when with House of X at X-Men History Matters, these two characters have very complicated histories. So we know that Krakoa looks like it's still going to be there and, and Immortal X-Men is going to take place on Krakoa. Is Krakoa the island still alive? I mean, did it die on Nimrod's attack? I certainly think if Nimrod is going to try to wipe out mutants, kill the living island itself, Krakoa. Look, it looks like it's just Xavier there right now. That's the cover from Immortal X-Men. Um, let's see. I, I'm curious to see what's going to be happening there. Astonishing Iceman. Iceman is Antarctica. I'm telling you, we saw in the trailer that he gets impaled by Nimrod. Bobby is an Omega-level mutant, so we can assume he just... Bloop, you know, magically was able to heal himself. But what if Nimrod really did do some physical damage to him and he's in Antarctica to heal himself because of the ice? I think that's so cheesy. So fucking cheesy that it's fine. Like, I get it. Like, I understand the beat in the story. Don't get me wrong, but it's so cheesy. Iceman is going to be in Antarctica to heal. That's the only thing I can surmise. I'm happy to be wrong. I'm so happy to be wrong. Realm of X, Vanahim. I think I've said everything I have on this. I'm really excited for the team. I think Magic, Mirage, and Marrow, and Dust, and Typhoid Mary, among others. I'm really excited for it. I think Ileana is going to react to the massacre at the Hellfire Gala. She's going to open up a portal, suck those, those characters in with her, and they're going to be on a journey to get from Vanahim back to the real world. So let's see how that goes. X-Force, again, I think I already said that with my feels on Wolverine. And Colossus, obviously, is being mind-controlled. Let's see how all of that plays out. X-Men Red has always been a solid title. You know, we know Apocalypse is coming back. We have Genesis, you know, starting the Civil War here against Storm. My thing is, why are they calling her Voice of Souls? She's supposed to be... The, the reign of souls she's supposed to be you know the the queen of our solar system i know that wasn't a really fleshed out realized story i think a lot of us were like so they disappointed a queen of the entire solar system and no one else weighed in on her being soul regent listen it's fine i can i can wave my disbelief on something as good as soul as soul regent for storm 
But now we're calling her Voice of Soul. I, you know, that's... Uh, I'm excited. I don't think Storm will be at the Hellfire Gala because obviously she is in Araco, but because editorially, if you put her there and she dies, well, she doesn't have a backup, so she's like permanently dead. And finally, Jean Grey's whereabouts are unknown. I have said this multiple times. My feels on the situation is that Jean is in the white hot room, incubating, waiting to be reborn, is going to be sort of going through all of these scenarios, all these possibilities in the Mkron crystal. We know that's where the white hot room is. She's going to see realities everywhere, and she's going to come back stronger than ever. She's going to do some soul searching for those five issues. It doesn't, the marketing copy does not sell me on the series, I am sorry to say, but hopefully the setup is going to be really, really good. I really, I no shade to Louise Simonson because she was there during the 80s when we had the very convoluted bringing Gene back from the dead. And it wasn't really Gene who died on the moon, it was a phoenix taking Gene's place, and then Madeline Pryor is Gene's clone. And then once Madeline Pryor dies, all of the memories go into Gene and the Phoenix, you know, shard that was in Maddie goes, in. it's very convoluted. And it, it makes sense to us because we've had like, oh, I don't know, like over 30 years to like marinate on it. But at the time, it was very confusing. And so I'm glad she can streamline all of that, you know, hopefully in the series. But I, I would have liked a writer like Teeny Howard or Leah Williams to sort of tackle this this story because I just I don't know I, I I'm worried with this marketing copy it's not it's not inspiring a lot of faith on my end and so now let's look at these pages of the Hellfire Gala by the way this variant cover for the Hellfire Gala of Scott and Emma on a tree I love it so much it's probably one of my favorite covers in a long time. So the preview pages show the Stepford Cuckoos, I guess, making some sort of announcement. And we have Cyclops in like the world's ugliest outfit. It's such an ugly outfit. Jean and Emma taking front and center. It looks like it's Forge over there. You know, is he unveiling what Krakoa could look like? Because that looks like a Krakoan city. So are they talking about how they're going to build up Krakoa like that? And we see Vision and Firestar in the background. We see Kate drinking a bottle, which is kind of weird to me. Why is she drinking a bottle? She's at the Hellfire Gala. It's open bar, presumably open bar. I've talked about this before on the podcast. I don't think anyone who's working on the Hellfire Gala has ever been to an actual gala because there's some things that just didn't make sense to me. Um, how the run of show happened, how in the first Hellfire Gala issue, a character was like, I'll buy us drinks. I'm like, you're at a gala. Like, it's open bar. So why is Kitty drinking a bottle? Maybe she took that from the bartender. I'm sure there's uh, everyone can have an explanation. But I think, realistically, she would be drinking out of a cup. But listen, that's just me being nitpicky. So Irene and Destiny come. They grab her. And then we have Dr. Stasis and Omega Sentinel coming through a Krakone gate doing a tango. Xavier looks angry. They butt heads. And then the massacre begins. There's Ileana reacting. We see Psylocke. We see Romeo there looking really scared. We see Hope getting ready for battle. And we see Iceman versus Nimrod. We see a fastball special with Strong Guy and Captain Kate, a.k.a. the future Shadow Cat with the case so lame again. So, you know, that's let's see what's going on. Based off of all this information, let's break down what happens. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. 
it's going to be a really great night on Krakoa. The X-Men are going to feel hopeful for the future, right? I think Gene and Scott and Emma and Forge want to unveil what the next phase of Krakoa is going to be. It's going to be this beautiful city built up with skyscrapers. It's going to be a premier destination for tourists, for business. I mean, that's what you would do, right? If you were a, a founding nation and you wanted to be part of the global economy, right? And it's going to be a night full of a lot of hope and they're going to be like, and now we're going to be announcing, you know, a new X-Men team. This is how great everything's going to be. Right. And we may even get some cues where like Cyclops and Gene are like, you know what? It's time for the new generation to take over. We are going to be mayor of this new Kirkcon <laughs> city. I'd be curious if they actually name what this Kirkcon city looks like. Anyways, you know what I'm saying. It's going to look very hopeful and beautiful. And then Cyclops is going to get a little ding. Oh, wait, there's something at the treehouse. Cyclops is going to go. And then Irene's going to have her vision. She's like, oh, shit, shit's going to get real. And she's going to dart, right? And we know Gene is going to, you know, take in all of the tallies of Gene is going to. And now, and then we know Gene is going to gather the nominees because we've seen that in the trailer. And then I'm telling you, Nimrod's going to come crashing down, massacring everyone. Everyone's going to try to get out as soon as they can, as fast as they can. And there's going to be a lot of death. The media is going to spin it as like Orcus was, you know, trying to defend humanity against the evil mutants and. Overnight, there's going to be this outlawing of mutants across the globe, and it begins in Canada. So, you know, it's going to be dire. My, my only thing here that I'm nervous about, I don't want it to be like X-Men Disassembled. That was a horrible cry. I hope they learn from their mistakes in X-Men Disassembled. It's too bleak. You're going to have to have that ray of hope. I've said it before. That ray of hope is going to have to be resurrection somehow survives. I think what's going to happen is that hope will be out there in some way, shape, or form, and they're going to try to come back. Let's see what they do. I, I don't know. I'm very curious to see how all of this is going to pan out. But anyways, Familia, that is our breakdown of the map, of the preview pages of the September solicitations. What do you think is going to happen with Fall of X and the Hellfire Gala? Drop your feels in the comments below.